Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, offering compassionate healthcare for all. Learn more about their services, including statewide access to medication-assisted treatment for alcohol and opioid use disorders at ucsonline.org. Today is Tuesday. It is the 31st of January. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. The environmental impact results are in for the country's first large train merger since 1999. Despite complaints from Iowa shareholders, the merger remains on track. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith has more on its implications on eastern Iowa. Regulators will soon decide whether to approve Canadian Pacific's massive acquisition of Kansas City Southern. With the release of the Environmental Impact Study, the Surface Transportation Board of the United States has 30 days before it can decide whether or not to let it go through. In general, the impact study was positive for the merger. It says the acquisition will have a small impact on delays at crossings and for emergency vehicles. The updated report emphasizes how increased rail traffic would increase train noise for nearby residents and sensitive areas. Towns in eastern Iowa are anticipated to see the highest traffic increases nationally. An environmental study estimated an additional 15 trains per day on average. In March, the board will consider this study, comments from the public, as well as feedback from other agencies. That includes concerns leveled by the Department of Justice's Antitrust Division. At the Iowa State House, a bill advancing in the Senate aims to prevent an unintentional property tax increase and would leave local governments rushing to adjust their budgets for an unexpected drop in revenue. Last fall, state workers discovered the mistake that could raise taxes on residential property owners by up to $127 million this year. City and county officials are asking lawmakers to delay implementing the fix by one year so it doesn't affect the local budgeting process that's already underway. Republican Senator Dan Dawson of Council Bluffs says he doesn't want to penalize taxpayers by not taking action on the bill. I guess I'm just kind of concerned with that. You know, uh, we're always advocating on behalf of taxpayers, right? A delay would be a tax increase to the residential property tax dollars, which was never part of the 2013 bill or the 2021 bill. Dawson says he appreciates local officials' concerns and is proposing a two-week extension for their March 31st budget deadline. Also in the state Senate, a bill that would place restrictions on commercial solar panel fields on farmland has advanced. We get those details from IPR's Katie Pikus. The bill sets limits on installing a commercially owned solar panel field on farmland. It would have to be at least 150 feet away from the nearest adjacent landowner and at least 1,200 feet from the closest residence or livestock facility. Pam Mackey-Taylor is a lobbyist with the Iowa chapter of the Sierra Club. The environmental group opposes the bill. We feel that the restrictions on setbacks are onerous. Uh, We also would support having the uh, local siting decisions made uh, through the Board of Supervisors uh, and planning and zoning in those counties that have planning and zoning. Bill supporters say it's a start, but they want improvements like clarifying that the bill would target larger solar production facilities and not small ones on farms. Lawmakers advanced the bill but said the setbacks could be changed. State Racing and Gaming Administrator Brian O'Rilko says the amount of revenue at the state's traditional casinos went against the recent trend in December. We did see uh, for the first time in quite some time, the month of December, year over year, we had seen a decline in revenue. The gross revenue in December was down by more than $5 million. And after a city inspection found a range of problems from leaky roofs to crumbling foundations, the future of the old Fort Replica in Fort Madison's Riverview Park 
is up for a community discussion. The mayor there says the fort is now closed due to safety concerns as several buildings are unstable. The fort replicates the military outpost that was built there in 1808. It opened as a tourist attraction in 1988 but has fallen into disrepair. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. There's been ongoing disagreements between the Food Bank of Iowa and the Des Moines Area Religious Council over policy changes, and it's led the city of Des Moines to consider withdrawing financial support. It's causing some pantries in the Des Moines metro to struggle to keep food on their shelves. My colleague, IPR's All Things Considered host, Catherine Wheeler, spoke with reporter Francesca Block of the Des Moines Register about this. Block has been covering the dispute and its effects. In September of last year, the Food Bank of Iowa, which kind of acts as a wholesaler for food pantries, implemented a new contract addendum requiring all partner pantries to supply a three-day supply of food, which is about 12 pounds, to every client that visits the pantry. What's important to note is that this addendum applied to all pantries, regardless of, quote, network affiliation. So the Des Moines Area Religious Council, or DMARC, is a network of 14 pantries that operate in the metro area. And many of the DMARC pantry leaders said this new addendum might force them to have to supply that three-day supply to one person who could then visit all the other pantries in the network, adding up to 42 days' worth of food for one person before somebody else might get any. So DMARC posed this not only as a capacity issue, but also as one of equity, whereas the food bank said it's unfair to assume people would take advantage of the system in that way. So this disagreement led 10 of the 14 pantries in DMARC to end their contracts with food bank, though many say it wasn't by choice. And then the city of Des Moines got involved. What happened with that situation? So in December, the city of Des Moines gave the two organizations an ultimatum. Either work things out, or the city will withhold half a million dollars in funding. In response to that, the organization's CEOs signed an agreement on December 22nd, promising to open lines of communication and support each other's work. Some of those promises included, quote, immediate collaboration on the reinstatement of food rescue, which many pantries said was critical to being able to provide for their clients. But now recently the city said they're not moving fast enough? Yeah, so that agreement was signed at the end of December, and a week or so into the new year, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of movement, especially on that promise of immediate collaboration on food rescue. So as a result, many Des Moines city officials, including council members and the mayor, said they want to see more tangible progress before they award that funding. So how has all of this affected the food pantries that work with the Food Bank of Iowa? Have there been any larger effects? So pantries right now are facing record demand for their services as rising prices continue to stretch people's pocketbooks. And they're saying that this dispute with the Food Bank of Iowa is just making it even harder to keep their shelves stocked. My colleague Michaela Ram actually visited a pantry at the Salvation Army this week, and they said they lost about 50 percent of their anytime food and 100 percent of household items they used to distribute to clients since the split. 
So what happens from here? How long is the city willing to wait for the groups to settle this? Is the is it looking like the groups will settle this at all? So the Des Moines City Council is set to vote on this funding decision in February. Uh, it's important to note that in West Des Moines, the West Des Moines Pantry did end up re-signing their contract with the Food Bank of Iowa, including that contract addendum. And they're now working on restarting that partnership. As for what happens with the other DMARC pantries, Many of them are still receiving a lot of support from DMARC, but they're dealing with rising prices, especially in key areas like eggs and milk. One of the pantry leaders I spoke to said they're just taking things month by month, and they just hope a resolution with the food bank comes as soon as possible. That's Francesca Block. She's a reporter with the Des Moines Register who's been covering the dispute between the Food Bank of Iowa and the Des Moines Area Religious Council. She spoke to my colleague, IPR's Catherine Wheeler. And just a note here, the Food Bank of Iowa is a financial supporter of Iowa Public Radio. This is Here First from IPR News. Thanks for listening. I'm Clay Masters. Clay Masters.